Sports Yak. One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here. And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer. This one will be relived. Chuck Freebie. Forever. Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Yak. Sports Yak. It's Sports Yak. At Sif Pop. We're your movie friends. And are friends really friends if you don't know them? So grab a popcorn and head over to our row so we can chat movies. Like friends do. There's always room for more movie friends. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the writer's room. Hello and welcome to Sif Pop Writer's Room. I'm your host Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And today I'm joined by Sif Pop writer Reed. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course, appreciate you being on again. Uh, Reed, of course, last time on the show, we did uh, the MCU Phase 2. He was filling in for Ben for a week. Uh, and so he, he's back on the show again. Uh, we write for SifPop.com, providing you with movie reviews, best ever challenges, and other interesting movie-related articles, such as 20th Century Films, we'll be talking about in a little bit. So make sure you check out the website, SifPop.com, to keep up with those. On today's show, we'll talk about a coming, two coming attractions. We'll give our thoughts on some stuff that's coming out soon, and then on to our Sif topic, this, uh, which this week will be our TV catch-up. We'll explore the B-plot, answering your question, and wrap up with a spinoff. But first, let's get a chance to know our writer this week, Reed. Uh, you've been on the show once before, so we've already done the whole what's your favorite movie question. You know, everybody, anybody that follows you on Twitter knows it's Chinatown by a long shot. So right. uh, so there's no point in beating the dead horse. But uh, um, but the, uh, the the question I want to is, is let's talk about the 20th century film articles. These have been uh, some of my favorite things. What's your like process of, of doing those? Uh, what, do you, what do you love most about doing those? Uh, just kind of talk about them for a bit. Yeah, I like being able to shine a spotlight on movies that have kind of fallen out of the common spotlight, uh, which is just kind of the way things are. It's no really nobody's fault that most of what people enjoy talking about is movies that are coming out currently. Uh, but when I was getting really into movies, I found that most of the movies that I enjoyed the most came out well before... I was watching them, and it didn't seem like anybody was talking about them. So I wanted to try and at least start a conversation, even if it's just with myself, of talking about why these movies still have such merit, even 30, 40, 50, up to 90 and 100 years after they came out. Sure. So that's just been really exciting and a fun thing to talk about. What's been your What's been your favorite one that you've written for? Because uh, re- remind us, there's been a North by Northwest, and you did you did a Chinatown one and a Blade Runner one. I haven't actually done the Chinatown one yet. Oh, uh, maybe I just feel like you already have. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I talk about it enough that it probably seems like I have, but <laughs> I haven't. I've been kind of building up to it, and the, one of the main reasons that I haven't is I just finished the book The Big Goodbye, which is about the making of Chinatown. It came okay. out I think last year, 2018, somewhere around there. Uh, but it was just going through the process of making Chinatown. That was the point of the book. And I wanted to have finished reading that before actually sitting down and writing my article on Chinatown. I wanted to have that background information going in to hopefully enrich the article a bit. So I haven't done it yet. It's, it's coming. I haven't decided if it's going to be next month or not, but as far okay. as my favorite one I've done so far, I really enjoyed what I believe was the very first one, the Blade Runner one. Okay. Uh, was that one before North by Northwest? I think so. Okay. Uh, one you would know more than I would. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, I think the reason that I appreciated that one so much is I'd also just finished a book called Future Noir, which is phenomenal. It's a massive undertaking going through the entire making of Blade Runner, including the reasons for the various cuts and going all the way up to 2007's final cut. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just finished that and had a wealth of information. So that made writing a lot more fun and easy when I had all that information just to pour out of me. And Blade Runner is just one of those movies that is so utterly fascinating to me, kind of like Chinatown, sure. that I could just go on and on about it. And more like I have to stop myself instead of I need to, it's not like I need to get this out. It's just pouring out of me and I need to figure out what goes into the article and what doesn't. Yeah. How do you uh, decide which movies you want about want to write about? Is it just like a feeling uh, at some point? I mean, you typically watch a lot of older movies, so is it just right. like one that just kind of hits you in the gut and you're like, "All right, I'm just going to watch this this month"? Or do you like do you have a schedule or even like even a loose schedule? Do you have like a doc somewhere that's like, uh, "Here's a bunch of movies that I'll talk about at some point," and what you pull one out of a hat? Yeah, I've got a few kicking around in my head. Uh, I do watch a lot of older movies. I'm so bad because there are so many movies that I need to watch that I've never seen. But I catch myself doing so many rewatches of the movies that I love. Like, I think two 20th century films ago, so two months ago, I did Butch Casting and the Sundance Kid because I just watched that for probably the 12th or 13th time. Uh, and I was just, <laughs> I had so many thoughts running, in my, running through my head about why I love this movie so much. And my wife didn't want to hear any of it. So uh, I was like, great, I'll, I'll do this. And I was actually thinking of writing on uh, Cool Hand Luke for this most recent one. And then I remember that I'd just done Butch and Sundance, which was another Paul Newman movie from 69. And I think Cool Hand Luke was 67. So I wanted to have a little bit more variety instead of jumping two years back with the same lead actor. So that's really the only qualifier that I try and give is something different than what I've been doing recently. Cool. Yeah, um, I thought it was really interesting that you wrote about Butch, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid because Robert and I are talking about that one next week. And uh, it was nice. like right about the time that we recorded last month's episode. And uh, and it was like, yeah, this is coming right around the corner. And then like there was an article on Soap Pop. It's like, it's, it's, it's kind of happy accidents how that works out. And like sometimes it's kind of structured and scheduled. Like we talked about uh, Citizen Kane. I think when you did one, did you do Citizen I think you did, right? Yeah, I did do Citizen Kane right when Mank was coming out. Right, like because Mank was coming. I, I think like three or four people did something on Citizen Kane, but um, yeah, but, yeah it's like, popular it, Citizen Kane. Right, so uh, so we did, you know, so, so sometimes it's it's you know because thematically or something like that, but uh, uh, but yeah, I think that's cool. So um, so you're um, a little bit more fond of older movies, uh, which I think is is great, um, especially because like you like you were mentioning, like not a lot of people talk about older movies as much and. Uh, it's one of the things I really enjoy doing, you know, once a month with Robert is just like watching some older movies that a lot of people would hold in high regard, but like most people I would say haven't seen. Um, and, uh, you know, movie community has seen, but like mm-hmm. a standard person, you pull them off the street. It's like, have you seen Arsenic and Old Lace? And they're like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> um, so, I mean, maybe that's just my opinion of growing up in, you know, <laughs> the small town Midwest with a non-movie family really, but. Uh, right. I think that's fair. Yeah, but uh, but like, what what are the qualities you think that are are most important in a movie? Like, uh, is it is it screenplay, characters, plot? What is what is that thing that you're like? 
a movie has to have this. Uh, and if a movie does this really well, it has the potential to be like greatest of all time. I would say, which to qualify this, I'm a little bit biased because in some of my free time, I, for the last like year or so, it's been kind of the quarantine hobby that I picked up. I have just been writing screenplays for fun. So that's kind of become my hobby. I've been reading up on it. And so I really, but I don't think it's unpopular to say that a good script is absolutely essential to a good movie. I mean, a director can come in and make certain changes, but if the script isn't there, then it's going to be hard to make much of anything out of it. As far as the screenplay goes, I've always been a little bit more of a story person, I think, than a character person. Of course, characters can greatly enrich a story, but something that really hooks me and has a fantastic story, something like Chinatown, of course, the characters of J.J. Giddis, Evelyn Mulray, Noah Cross, these are all like fantastically written characters, and that helps make the movie, in my opinion, the best thing ever made. But the story itself, the mystery the with the water scandal, I won't say too much in case anybody hasn't seen it, because we didn't qualify this for <laughs> Chinatown spoilers, but everything that goes on and as it just cycles down into the final revelations, I just find so fascinating. So that story and that intrigue is what really gets me. I'm a mystery buff, so if there's a little bit of mystery involved in the story also, I'll I'll go along with a lot if I'm hooked sure. on a mystery. Yeah, I talked about this with um, uh, Joe last week, and I think this is going to be a recurring what's the most important thing for you in a movie, but uh, I, I just said it's characters. It has to be. Cause, I mean, you, meant, you mentioned screenplay, which is great, but like – and you can have a great screenplay and like a mediocre director and you could still have a great movie. Uh, but you can't have a bad screenplay and a great director that it, it doesn't work. Um, it, it doesn't work vice versa. So uh, you have to have a, a screen, a found a good foundational screenplay has to be it, but like screenplay has so many elements to it. It's got plot. It's got pace. It's got characters. It's got how much humor is in the movie. It's got how much of this is going to be visual versus audio. And, and like, you know, so lots of different elements. And I mean, to me, it is characters. Uh, and I talked quite extensively about that i won't i won't do it again here but uh i, I think that's precisely why too i mean I, I know we have a big disagreement because i 100 percent prefer blade runner 2049 over the original and i know that you are the exact opposite and like we can respectfully disagree that's okay but i think it's precisely because deckard is just not necessarily compelling character to me uh and the story i think is great uh, uh, the story i think is fine uh the mess the theme and messages and the world building i think is great um, and, and kind of similar to Raiders of the Lost Ark, Deckard just kind of happens his way into things. Like not much of the movie changes with, if you take Deckard out of it. Um, cause like he even loses the final battle. Like, you know, he's, which, you know, is a lot of, a lot of things there, but I think, I think Kay is such a compelling character. Um, I think Deckard is a much better character in 2049 than he is in the original. But again, these are all my opinions. It's just kind of as an example. Um, but. Um, but Blade Runner has, well, they both have mystery, but. Right. Um, yeah, I do love 2049. Uh, yeah. I really, I really love it. It just, it's not, it doesn't touch the original for me. Which I mean, I'm curious. The original Blade Runner is my number three all time, so not much sure. does, but. I'm curious if your opinion will stay the same in 10 years. Like, c because I wonder how much of it is, well, Blade Runner 2049 came out in 2017, and Blade Runner has been like a all-time sci-fi for 
30 mm-hmm. years, you know? So I, I wonder how much of that is just like the baggage that that franchise carries. Right. So, I'm just curious, but we'll, you know, I'll ask you again in 10 years. <laughs> yeah. I do think Bill New is, he's my second favorite director working today. I think Fincher still okay. holds the top spot, but when Dune comes Ooh, out, we'll see if that changes. Oh, uh, Fincher. Your favorite? Okay. That's, that's fair. Yeah, I mean, I would go, yeah, like Shane Black or uh, Damien Chazelle or... I love Shane Black. Yeah. Shane Black um, could make 30 buddy cop movies over the next 30 years, and I'd probably see every one of them multiple times in theaters. Right. <laughs> yeah, and he, and he can make as many Predators movies as he wants as long as he actually gets to make it instead of the studio you know, right. making a movie with Shane's name on it. But um, yeah, like Chazelle, I think is a, is a great example of one I love. Villeneuve is for sure up there. Um, Cause I think Blade Runner 2049 and Arrival are both in my top 20 and like Prisoners is also in my top 100. And I think Arrival is like my sixth favorite of all time. Like there's something so good about that movie. It's just perfect. But, yeah. I think it's in my top 20. Um, have you seen yeah. Anson Day? No, I don't know if I'm butchering that pronunciation. I've I've only seen Definitely. his American films, so I've I've seen Enemy okay. and uh, and that one was fine. Um, so uh, yeah, I think, I think just Enemy Prisoners and I think that was Enemy Prisoners, Blade Runner, Arrival. I think were his only American films, right? I think so. Sicario, Sicario. That's right. I've seen it. I like that one too. Uh, but so I should check out um, Sunday. Definitely, yeah. Cool. I'll make sure to do that. It's very much like that, you know, like Alfonso Cuarón. Like, you know, I, you know, I picked up Itumama Tambien because, I mean, it's not one I would probably typically pick up, but right, I've heard nothing but great things about it. So, um, yeah. So I have a I have one more random question for you uh, before we move yeah. on. Something not movie related, and uh, I want to know what is something that you tried that you refuse to try again. Oh, that's a great question. It's a tough one too, because like I'm I'm the kind of personality where I will try things again. It'll take me a while, but I will try them again because you know I'm, I'm trying to think of like food specifically. Like that's where my mind immediately goes. But like, right, right, right. you know, taste buds evolve, things like that. <laughs> um, so what's something you would you have tried that you will never try again? I am still utterly repulsed by my one encounter with sushi. I feel like that's mm. basic, but I just loathed it. And I would be very surprised if I ever catch myself going back and thinking maybe things would be different this time. Because I'm a sure. very simplistic person. Uh, if I like something, then I could eat it every day. I could eat a hamburger twice a day, every day, and I don't think I'd ever get tired of it. And -hmm. if there's something that I decide that I don't like, it's very rare for me to end up changing back to that. Sure. That's a a good one. Um, I, the first time I ever tried sushi, uh, I threw up immediately. Uh, (laughs) But also, like, it was at this, like, a a Chinese buffet. Um, And, like, it looked semi-fresh. Like, it looked, it didn't look bad at all. Um, But I I probably picked, I probably picked up something that I didn't like. Um, but, uh, but I did sushi again, not too long ago. And I just, I found a couple that I really love and 
but I, 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 the texture, yeah. Um, the fact that it's raw fish, I think it throws somebody off. That's a good, that's a great answer. I'm going to go with, it took me a while to think about this because I am mostly like that person. It's like, I'll try something again, but I'm going to go with a hamburger in the UK. And huh. the re the reason is that the whole process of making food, specifically meat in Europe, obviously they have much stricter standards than they do in the U S and, uh, and just in general, like, because, um, um, like there's a lot more standards on how they farm too. So it's not just, um, it's not just standards on, um, how it's prepared or whatnot, but it's also standards on like the, uh, you know, the cows for the hamburger meat have to, anyway, when I had a burger in a, I had a blue, uh, a black and blue burger in the UK, in Scotland at a pub. And I just, this thing, first of all, I'm not a huge blue cheese fan, but I would drink a gallon of American blue cheese before I, or a blue cheese in the U S before I would even touch blue cheese over there anymore. <laughs> uh, they're very different things, but, and again, I'm not even a big blue cheese fan, but, uh, man, something about their hamburger meat. is just so uninspired. Um, it's like not seasoned at all. It has no flavor to it at all. Um, it, it's just nasty. Um, I hate it. I hated it. Um, I, yeah, you know, I, I I could find other great things to eat in the UK. Um, plenty right. of great things, but I will never do a hamburger again. Hmm. That's good to know. I've not been yeah. to the UK, so if I do go, I'll know to stay away from from that specifically. Yeah, and like, or at least like, at least know that you're in for something different. It could be my expectations were an American burger, and I got something very different. But um, I, I remember the blue cheese being a lot worse, like a lot more different than the hamburger was. But I was just like, this is still just bland and uninspired, and I don't want the rest of this. So uh, cool. Obviously we're going to land with food answers, of course, anyway, but uh, right. Right, that's great. So uh, we'll move on to the coming attraction. We'll talk about the uh, two properties coming out this week. Uh, we'll talk about Zack Snyder's justice league and Falcon and the winter soldier. Which one of these you want to talk about first read? Uh, why don't we open up with Falcon and winter soldier? We'll do that. That's good. Uh, so this is a new mini series uh, coming. Actually, I'm not positive this is mini series or if this is meant to be a TV series because uh, I don't know that Marvel has said. But like, well, I guess we'll find out. Um, right. I feel like this has like I know like WandaVision always felt like it was going to be a mini series, but like I feel like they could make this a regular, se- you know, maybe not yearly, but semi regular series. So uh, yeah, I think it's got that and- capability a lot more than WandaVision did. Yeah, so we'll, we'll we'll find out, but at least we know there's six episodes coming up, starting March 19th. That's this Friday, going to be released episodically, uh, and as of recording this, you know, week in advance, then uh, they haven't announced any plans of doing like a two episode drop. But this is also going to be six weeks, not eight weeks, so, or not nine weeks. So that'll uh, that'll certainly change things. Synopsis for this is uh, Sam Wilson and Bucky Barnes team up in a global adventure that tests their abilities and their patience. Pretty vague. But, you know, Marvel, they're trying to be as vague as they can with all this stuff, um, especially with these miniseries, especially the start of Phase 4, um, post-Endgame stuff. But, uh, uh, but Reed, what's your uh, anticipation scale for this? So what, do you, what are you thinking? Like, like we, this is a miniseries, obviously, but let's say this is going to be released as a, as a movie. Um, how soon do you think you'd get around to the theaters to see it? you think you'd be opening weekend, wait for a discount night, wait till you can rent it at home, wait till some streaming service you already paid for? Are you just not interested in this? Gosh, it's tough to answer because given the current situation, I'm going to watch it 
probably within the first two or three days each episode when it comes out. But uh-huh. I already have Disney Plus, so it's not like I'm committing to spending extra money for it. Right. I think if this were a standard movie, I'd probably wait until a discount. I am somewhat excited for it. Uh, I've not been huge fans of the Falcon or the Winter Soldier as characters as of yet. I think they both have potential to be good characters, but I've not loved either of them thus far. Uh, I mean, the Winter Soldier's obviously got an interesting character arc, but I don't feel like they've fully fleshed that out, which I guess this series is going to go a long way to helping. The main thing that excites me about this show in particular is that outside of Thanos, and maybe including Thanos, Zemo is my favorite villain from the MCU. Okay. And him returning, I think, is interesting. I hope that they don't ruin him by bringing him back. I hope they maintain his pretty, like, personal motivations against superheroes and can make that an integral part of his character. But yeah, I I loved him in Civil War, the guy who had no superpowers or any special abilities really whatsoever other than being pretty intelligent, uh, was able to come closer to destroying the Avengers than anybody else had. I found that to be really interesting. And his motivation of losing his family to the Avengers is one that was more understandable than a lot of the villains in the MCU. He didn't want world domination or anything like that. He just thought the Avengers were irresponsible and needed to pay for what they'd done to him personally. And I just found that to be much more fascinating than the standard world domination plot. Okay. Yeah. um, I think I'm going to be right there with you. I think uh, like, because here's the reality though, like, any Marvel movie, I'm going to be there opening weekend, like regardless of how excited for it. So like that's that's also, you know, th- but the scale is not meant to be like, when are you going to go? The scale is meant to be like, you know, how excited are you? But, right. um, but so I so I think I'm going to land at the uh, at the discount night. Um, and it's for one reason. You're right. Um, Falcon and Winter Soldier have not been the like most fleshed out characters that we've seen um, because they've always been side quests and. Um, they were even both introduced. I mean, we had Bucky in the first Captain America, but as Winter Soldier, they were both introduced in the same movie. Neither of them have gotten much screen time at all. Um, I know I like Falcon a lot as a character, and I'm I was definitely always rooting for more of him because I also think Anthony Mackie's just a top tier oh. actor. Yeah, he's fantastic. Um, he's hilarious, just like naturally charismatic. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know, I I like the Bucky character. Um, I, I, I hope they do something different with his character. Um, I'd really like to see that. Um, just cause I don't, I don't know how much more I want to see of this character. If it's, you know, this, uh, tormented hero, uh, or like, at least if it's kind of this level of torment, like I, I think I want, uh, want something new for him here. Uh, I think, uh, uh, and, and like maybe now that he's separated from cap, like maybe we'll get him to grow a little bit more. And uh, and I'm excited about that. I, I mean, I feel like we could have said the same thing about Wanda and Vision before WandaVision came out. Like, these are two characters that just haven't got a screen time because they've always been side pieces in much bigger stories. And WandaVision turned out to be super developing for these characters. Like, I, I really hope 
that winds up being the same for these characters. But uh, the name, you know, the that Marvel logo stretched across it, uh, Marvel Studios logo is gonna get me there to at least um, like a like a rent on every single property that comes out. But right. uh, but I, I also think that there's just something um, we haven't seen a lot of Falcon and Winter Soldier together. Uh, but I think they do have a fun little chemistry. Like I think there's a scene in Civil War where they're both sitting in the back seat of a car and Steve goes to meet with, I think Sharon Carter. And they're like, like, uh, like having a little play, like almost like a middle school, like a, Ooh, kind of thing with him. Like, does that sound familiar? Does that like civil war? Yeah. They've got a fun rapport back and forth. You know, who should, you know, who should be put in charge of Falcon and Winter Soldier. I just thought about this in this moment, but you know, who should okay. be put in charge of that show? Shane Black should be put in charge. <laughs> Can you imagine? Shane Blackie and dialogue between Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah. That would be that would and be a lot of fun. Point. That would for sure boost this to opening weekend and then some. Oh yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I just uh, I hope this does more with these characters, and uh, I'm excited to see where they go. I, I'm with you. I like Zebo. Um, obviously, his plan is ludicrous and ridiculous and super complex, and a lot of things have to go exactly right. Uh, but I like that he's sort of a a guy that's been plagued by we've they've never thought about their consequences and I'm gonna tear them apart um, and I'm gonna make them like I'm gonna use take advantage of this and have them start to take responsibility for their own actions and in the process that also means that people are gonna get hurt that they're gonna they're gonna ha- they're gonna have consequences among themselves. Um, but I mean, I don't think he's my second favorite. I'd still go Killmonger over him. Uh, obviously Thanos is number one. Uh, I'd still go Killmonger. Um, I'd probably put, um, Loki would be up there. Um, even though Loki eventually turns good, but, uh, I would, yeah, I'd put Loki up there. I would put, um, uh, I guess maybe he'd be like four or five. I don't know. Once you get past those top three, it's really you know, <laughs> semi yeah. irregular. I really liked Ghost actually in Ant Man and the Wasp. Um, okay, yeah, she so. was interesting. I'm curious. Yeah, I mean, mo- again. yeah, mostly because she was unique. So yeah, I yeah. liked Hella. Sure. Yeah. Um, I really liked. Uh, no, I-, I liked Hella the way that it is, but I think you take, you know, a, a more serious director, a less comedic approach, um, somebody that. You could just tell everybody was having fun on set, and Taika Waititi just told Kate Blanchett, "Like, just own this role, just just go for it." Like somebody, like if Alan Moore would have returned, to, or Alan Taylor would have been back to direct it, like, yeah, probably wouldn't have liked it that much. But, uh, but yeah, I thought she did great, and uh, I think she was written in an interesting way. Um, I like her, I like her character arc. So, yeah, but um, it's it's kind of hard to talk about this because we don't really know much about it, um, right? But but we have history with these characters, so I feel like we're able to talk. Uh, to talk at least enough about that. I, I think I'm yeah. out. Uh, I'm, just, I'm excited for it. Yeah, Karen Carter is supposed to come back for this, correct? I feel like yes. I've seen her on the poster. Yes. Uh, nice. I think she has potential to be an interesting character. She was one of my favorite parts of... Uh, what's the one with Robert Redford? Winter Soldier? Uh, yes. Yeah, I really liked her in that role uh, okay. for that movie. With yeah. her being like on the inside in the finale, I thought she did a really good job with that. Uh, I'm excited to. I hope she gets 
a good amount of scoring time with this one. Sure. Uh, looking at the casting, it also looks like um, Wyatt Russell is going to be in this um, as a character named John Walker. I don't recognize that name, um, but I do recognize this guy because uh, did you did you ever see Black Mirror? Uh, I've seen a couple episodes, not the whole thing. Okay, he's in the episode where it's essentially like military people that are fighting bugs, I think. Okay. Um, uh, he's he's like the lead character in that one. I could be wrong. He's also in Overlord, if you watched Overlord. Um, okay, the guy, really from, like... the guy from Jump Street? Yes, 22 Jump Street. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, I think, uh, I think he's... Um... I really liked what I saw him in uh, in both Overlord and uh, I don't remember him being in 22. Oh, he was the fraternity friend, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's right. But uh, it just, he, he has a shorter beard, but I really yeah. like him in Black Mirror um, I, and I really, really, really like him in uh, Overlord. So uh, that, that'll be an interesting um, uh, addition. Um, and it looks like uh, the at least director, potentially showrunner, uh, is uh, Carrie uh, Scogland. Um, did some Handmaid's Tale. That's pretty oh, impressive. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Punisher. Uh, the Americans, The Walking Dead, House of Cards. Like some pretty uh, Vikings. Uh, Once Upon a Time, or Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, the um, Once series when they were doing the Alice theme. Right. Um, the Killing, Boardwalk Empire. She's got an impressive, impressive cat, uh, catalog here. So that right. would definitely make me, uh, definitely makes oh, me wow. a little bit more excited. Bless you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, yeah we it definitely makes me a little bit more excited. Do we have a rating for Falcon and Winter Soldier? Is it going to be TV 14, PG? Do we have oh, any I'm idea? sure. I'm sure it's going to be that TV 14. Oh, yeah. I was just thinking, a lot of the things she directed are good, but they're also a bit i think most of them were tvma for various violent reasons but. yeah and and we'll see i think eventually we'll see some tvma marvel stuff but it won't go to disney plus um mm. and it won't be with existing characters that exist in pg-13 stuff you know it'll be the deadpool stuff or um you know if they want to pull a little bit more violent bloody characters you know something like the punisher um, yeah, they would do that, but it wouldn't drop on Disney Plus then. Drop on like Hulu, but um, yeah, I'm safe to say I think we're both really excited for this. Uh, I will be watching it every, you know, the Friday morning when it comes out, just to avoid spoilers. Right. Um, so that's just the reality of living in this situation. But um, do you have anything else you want to say before we move on to Zack Snyder's Justice League? Uh I don't think so. Um, All right, let's do it. Works. Yeah. So on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, when I told you we know nothing about Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I feel like we already know everything about Zack Snyder's Justice League. So uh, just it seems like they're releasing a promo every single day for like the last four months, and like I'm yeah. just getting annoyed. And this that's you know you already know where I'm going to land. I'm excited about this just by that statement. But yeah, they just, are. I'm probably a bit more excited for it than you are. We'll see how things shake out. Um, but yeah, this advertising campaign has been a bit a bit much for me for a movie that I know, I know, I know that it's different. I know, I know. it's gonna be very different. But it's still a movie that has already come out. Sure. In a in a very different way. 
I know they've added scenes. I know the whole tone's going to be different. I know we're getting a lot more, obviously, literally double what was given in Justice League. Because I think Joss Whedon's version came in right at two hours. This one's coming in right at four. So I know it's going to be different. But still, it just seems like a bizarre amount of advertising for a movie that I feel like if you're going to see it, you're already going to see it. You were one of those people using the hashtag like two years ago. Right. Uh, <laughs> I, I just don't know that all this advertising has been necessary. Uh, especially because well, at least in the Twitter circles that I exist in, everyone's advertising for it for free already. Uh, right. But. Well, and it's one of those things that like, as soon as they announced that Zack Snyder's Justice League is going to come to HBO Max, as soon as they announced that, that's all the advertising they needed to do. Right. They, like you're not getting new new fans at this point. You're not picking up on. I mean, maybe they're trying to disprove uh, to to disprove non-believers, either people that were like, "Oh, there's nothing new to this movie," or people that were, you know, just maybe they're trying to win over the crowd that isn't excited about this movie. But I gotta say, as somebody who has never been entirely excited about this movie, it has made me less excited about this movie. Um, and like. Not for any particular reason other than I just, I think we as a culture have created a monster <laughs> and, and Zack Snyder's Justice League is not the only thing that we're going to see like this. Um, and this is not the first example either. You know, we've seen TV shows get revived uh, or picked up by other network because of fan, uh, fan love for it. We've seen, um, you know, like they recently did a, I mean, nobody was asking for it, but they did a Godfather three re-edit, uh, you know, uh, and definitely, I don't think was as a uh, as big of a of a change as you know Justice League to Zack Snyder's Justice League. But right. um, you know, this this is not the first time. So, you, know, you talk about Blade Runner, like how many cuts of Blade say, Runner? <laughs> depending on who you ask or how you count, there's like between four and six, seven different cuts right. of Blade Runner. Uh, right. Between 1982 and 2007. Uh, right. So yeah, this has been going on for a while. Right. And seems to do it with every single one of his movies. Um, this right. has got a director's cut that's completely different from what originally went to theaters. I don't know what's going on there. You would think that right. at a certain point they just let him make his movies and leave him alone. Uh, but, Especially because like, the director's cuts are always more highly highly regarded. Like, right. you know, Kingdom of Heaven is that great example of everybody hates the theatrical edition but loves the director's cut. And it's like, okay, yeah. like yeah, you let him do the director's cut then. Yeah. So, um. Yeah, so uh, th- really nothing new to the plot here. Like, I know there's going to be different plot elements, but if you look at IODB, it's just determined to ensure Superman's ultimate sacrifice wasn't in vain. Bruce Wayne aligns forces with Diana Prince with plans to recruit a team of metahumans to protect the world from an approaching threat of catastrophic proportions. Like, we got this movie in 2016, like I, according to the synopsis, but I, I know there's going to be some different things. And I got some thoughts, but I'm going to kick us off. I'm going to say my anticipation level is, is streaming, and it's probably on a low end of streaming. So. Um, that, that's where I'm going, uh, which makes yeah, it perfect that it's going to be mad about that. Huh? Ben's definitely going to be mad about that. I know, I know. I, I feel like this whole part is just me going to be letting down Ben, but I, I promise, yeah. and I'm not, I'm definitely not attacking Ben. But so I got to clarify to you there are two segments of this Saxonite's Justice League movement um, that there are, one of which Ben is in, which is excited about something. Um, for excitement's sake and for uh, movie fandom's sake. Excited about, hey, his vision is finally going to be realized. This is really cool. I'm so excited to see it. I'm so excited to support this. No problem with that at all. But then there's this whole other side 
that's just like bullying Warner Brothers and HBO Max and has been ever since uh, they rehired Joss Whedon and it's and Snyder was teasing a bunch of things and, and, and you know other people were teasing a bunch of different things and it that whole side is speaking way more loudly than the other side um, and it's if you go on HBO Max on like Facebook you will see like even for things that they're promoting back from like December there's every single comment is hashtag release the Snyder cut has it's like they already announced it they're doing it like or hashtag restore the Snyderverse or like hashtag Snyder like so many different variations it's like dude like they're running a trailer for love life like <laughs> yeah uh, so where do you land uh, on the scale I this is gonna seem contradictory to a lot of what I'm gonna say I think I might be opening weekend. The one thing, the one thing keeping me from saying opening weekend for sure is the four-hour runtime. <laughs> if, if I give in and I watch this movie, that becomes my answer to the longest movie I've ever seen. I think right now it's Gone with the Wind, which is like 358. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, also up there you've got like Lawrence of Arabia, Once Upon a Time in America, which are all like great movies. Uh, yeah, I don't know. If that, but you're talking 340, 342, something like that. Yeah, not four. Yeah, but if if I do this, that becomes my answer to this question uh, right. of what's the longest movie I've ever seen. But beyond that, if it's bad, it's not just two hours of my life; it's four hours of my life. I could watch two potentially better movies in that amount of time. I need to be like very sold on something. I think to invest four hours of my time in it. If it was three hours. Okay, I think I can make that work. I think I'd be fully sold on opening weekend. Uh, I'm still going to say opening weekend because I am genuinely excited about it. I really hope it's going to be good. Uh, and I, I mean, I love to see directors get their actual visions accomplished. Um, yeah. All that to say, I, I'm excited for it. I'm planning to watch it sometime during the first weekend it comes out. Uh, I just have a couple reservations that probably won't actually stop me from watching the movie. That said, I like Zack Snyder. He seems like a great guy. Very nice, very personable. Mm -hmm. Everybody seems to love him. We talk about Blade Runner, Ridley Scott doing this all the time. Zack Snyder, in my approximation, is nowhere close to Ridley Scott level of brilliance. Um, I like his Dawn of the Dead. I like... um, Oh, I liked Watchmen. I enjoyed Watchmen more than I think most people did. Mm-hmm. Sucker Punch, I did not enjoy whatsoever. I really regretted watching that one. 300 was <laughs> fine, but I didn't get what a lot of the fuss was about. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, you're missing, uh, I, did, I mean, Man of Steel and Batman vs. Superman. I, I really, I've watched it three times now. I keep hoping to get the hype for Man of Steel. I just, I, I'm not there. I, it's fine, but I just, I didn't love it. Um, the story just, the whole him versus Zod conflict was just not that interesting to me. It wasn't like, I know a lot of people are like, oh, you want a Superman that's all like happy and joyful and you don't know, like that he's grim and serious. That's not really it. I just didn't find the story to be incredibly interesting. Uh, I will say I've recently rewatched, in anticipation for Snyder's Justice League, I've rewatched the ultimate edition of Batman vs. Superman. I saw the original cut in theaters, did not really like it. I've rewatched the ultimate cut. I do think it's a serious improvement. 
Um, I enjoyed it, which has enhanced my anticipation for Snyder's Justice League a good bit, that I enjoyed his cut of BVS more than the theatrical. Uh, but all that to say, he's still kind of hit and miss with me. Uh, I'm not sold on him being this fantastic visionary director that we can equate with people like Ridley Scott. Um, like, if Ridley Scott sure. says, that in theaters is not my version, you need to see what my version is, I am trusting what Ridley Scott says. He has earned that for me. Um, I don't think Snyder has quite earned that right. same level of respect. But, again, I told you I'm going to seem contradictory where I come down on this. Um, all that said, okay, I'm planning on I'm watching it. it. I have high hopes for it. I have high hopes for it. I don't know if I have high expectations for it. I guess that's kind of where I fall. Okay. Um, I Look, I said I'm in streaming category, and I will be checking this out probably in multiple sittings. Um, two, if not two, for sure, if not four, um, potentially over multiple days, which I don't do, um, right. typically, but to sit down and try to find four hours is like a chore sometimes, uh, you know, to a movie that I'm not terribly interested in, but I think this has such a cultural impact. I have to see what the fuss is about. Right. And like, you know, I, I need to, I need to see, you know, is, is the hype worth it? Um, or is this going to go down as holy crap? Studios are never going to do anything like this again. Like, is is that because if this winds up being terrible, if fans wind up wind up hating it, if the general if the general public winds up hating it, um, then like Warner Brothers spent seventy million dollars for people to poo on them, right? Like, um, in know, addition or, to whatever they spent on the original cut, which also didn't do very well. Right. Exactly. Uh, so. But I also feel like I kind of don't want to watch it because I don't want to be a stat on HBO Max. Um, <laughs> like I don't, I don't want them to be like he watched it, so he must, so he was clearly part of this, you know, release the Steiner Cut movement. And like, right. I'm not. Uh, and like, look, I, I totally support the idea of it. It's just it has gone way too far, um, and it has been way too far for the past two years to the point that, again, I think people are bu- people are bullying HBO Max again. Not the fandom that Ben's in. I, you know, not not the not that not any of the hip hop writers that I've seen. Uh, if there is people that are excited about it, it's just like the, it's just like you. It's like I'm excited about it. Totally support that. That is a visionary choice. But there are just straight up people that are just bullying HBO Max on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, things like that. And like I, I'm sorry that it's giving people like Ben a bad name because I want to support Ben for wanting to support, you know, something that he's really passionate and excited about. But Aside from all the fandom stuff, I it's st- I, ch- I totally kept that out of because if fandom stuff is included, I'm gonna never watch this category. But I I did keep it out. I'm still just in streaming, um, but uh, but it's it's for the it's for the part uh, of primarily like you mentioned runtime. Four hours is just way too long because yeah, there was if no I way four hours on Wonder Woman 1984. I would have been furious. <laughs> so well, and so like. There's no way this four-hour cut was ever going to get released in theaters. He would have had to right. trim it down to 245 max. Um, and then inevitably, this would have been released as a director's cut at home. But, um, like, you know, four hours is absurdly long. Like, I really wish that they would have stuck with their original plan and released it in four parts as a four-part miniseries. I really wish they did that. Um, yeah. I know. honestly, I don't wish this. But... I'm curious if, I mean, we'll never see it, I don't think, but the actual Snyder cut, 
that allegedly already existed uh-huh. before Joss Whedon came in. Because uh-huh. that was always the whole thing was release the Snyder Cut, not right. spend another $70 million for him to come back and create extra scenes and right. add a bunch of new material. Uh, right. Again, all that's interesting, and I hope it works out, but that wasn't what this started as. Uh, so I'm right. curious as to how good that piece of material of media that allegedly already existed and in theory does exist somewhere, but I don't think we'll ever see. Uh, I wonder, I wonder how good that actually was. Um, if that would have been better, if, if Warner brothers would have been better off releasing the Snyder cut, like it was originally being clamored for instead of spending the additional money to get this four hour thing that hopefully doesn't end up being a monstrosity, but at, Four hours and seventy additional million dollars. It very well could be. There's a very yeah. real possibility that that could happen. And, well, and this is, I mean, we're talking. This was seventy million dollars in reshoots. Actually, hold on. It was projected seventy million dollar reshoots. They definitely went over budget, um, as most movie projects do. You know, but when they announced it, they said it would be a seventy million dollar. Um, let him finish up his vision, and they definitely went over that. Um, but that's still our only frame of reference for money wise. But. Mo- many, many, many movies get made for less than seventy million dollars total. Like, yeah, um, it's 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 insane. I mean, look, like the first Saw movie was made on like a hundred thousand dollars. Like, yeah, I think uh, all the maybe no, maybe it was one million. Yeah, I think all five screenplays that I have written are simple enough that they could be produced for less than seventy million dollars. All five of them together. Right, right. You know, Chinatown was probably, you know, probably the only, like the biggest part of, you know, if you take away actor salary, like probably didn't cost that much, but you know, you cast Jack Nicholson and you're going to pay a pretty yeah. penny and worth every penny by the way. So, um, but I, yeah, so I think that's one thing. And you were mentioning Snyder's filmography. Like that's another thing that is just keeping me away from wanting to love this movie because look, let's, let's, we'll stick away before the DCEU first. So, um, I really like Dawn of the Dead, yeah. but that's a James Gunn screenplay. And so you got to wonder how much of that movie is credited or should be credited to towards Gunn's success as opposed to um, Snyder's success. And look, I think that's a really interesting combination. I think that's that's great. Um, you got uh, – I never saw Sucker Punch, but no way I was watching Sucker yeah. Punch. You, you got 300, which I watched last week, and that's a totally fine movie. Um, it's not excellent. It's no. not great, but it's it's serviceable. It's fine. Um, and you got Watchmen, which I love, uh, especially the director's cut, I think is excellent. Um, I really, really, really like that movie. Um, but, um, but it, I mean, that's kind of the, the big projects. Um, uh, there's some smaller ones kind of scattered throughout there, but and then you get to man, um, man of steel. And like, I love the first two thirds of that movie and hate the last hour of that movie. So like, that's that weird juxtaposition of like, you know, it, he he man of steel is probably my second favorite dceu film so far and i still just i'm on the high side of it's okay maybe low side of liked right. it like you know like that says something but then um but then the uh but then batman vs superman came out and i saw it opening weekend even though it had a, like a four percent on rotten tomatoes i still saw opening weekend in imax opening night in imax um just because i had to see how this turns out and I left that theater and I said, that is the worst movie I've ever seen in my entire life, hands down. And I probably, I probably still back that statement, but I did watch the ultimate cut for this podcast and look, it's better, but it moved it. It it moved it to me 
from worst movie I've ever seen in my entire life to still strongly in the dislike it category. So like improvement, but it's hard for me to get excited about this movie when it's a sequel to two other movies that I didn't enjoy. (laughs) Like, yeah, I think that's, I think that's fair. One of the reasons I will say that I feel like I have to see this movie is because a lot of the people, the cult fandom that we've been talking about, a lot of the people that I'm friends with on Twitter, um, I can't imagine with the amount, like, I don't, I've never seen a movie with this level of hype around it, I don't think, in my time on Twitter. Maybe Endgame, maybe Endgame, but even that didn't have, like, this aura of, like, you can't say anything negative about it. That seems to be the atmosphere on yes. a lot of social media around this, is, like, you can't say anything negative about it, so I feel like... I need to watch it because I don't know that I can trust what people say about it because even if it's terrible, I don't know that I can imagine a lot of the people that I follow on social media saying yes. that it's terrible. Uh, so I need to, I need to see it with my own eyes. Uh, this is, this is, yeah, this is going to be one of two situations. Um, but I'm going to totally agree with you. This, I, you cannot just, I cannot um, take other people's words for this because there is so much baggage with this movie at this point. Um, and I feel like people that are part of that, you know, uh, release the Snyder cut movement, you know, the, the, again, the toxic side are not going to be able to, to say this was bad if it was bad. Um, and vice versa, people that have been outwardly spoken against people that are just like, you guys need to chill, like are going to be like, that wasn't worth all the fuss. And like, you have to watch it yourself and, and be able to do that. Now, I, I will say maybe with the caveat of like, see how somebody responds to Batman versus Superman first. Cause like that was complete Snyder control and he got to work yeah. with this, most of the same characters. And like, look, I really didn't like Batman versus Superman. I'm still strong in the dislike category. So I'm still anticipating to be strongly in the dislike category for, uh, for, um, for justice league, Snyder cut justice league, because, um, you know, the other thing too is with Man of Steel, you have Christopher Nolan as an executive producer, but he he doesn't. I don't think he did Batman versus Superman. No, so, I don't think so. so like you know, Snyder with some Nolan input versus just Snyder, like <laughs> you know, it, yeah. And a lot of the reason why, and I said I said this on three hundred, I said this on watching. I'm gonna say it. I say it now. I'm gonna say it next week when we talk with Joe but I won't talk about it too long. Snyder is a better cinematographer than he is a director because he's not a great storyteller um, based off of his filmography. 300 is visually amazing, but not really great story. I would say that last you know, man of steel would be the best. Like, you know, that I think Watchmen has a fine story, but it, he pretty much adapted it straight from the comics. Yeah, um, can't really full credit for that one or Dawn of the dead. Um, Right. Like well, and again, based off of a based off of another movie and based off of James Gunn's screenplay. So, like, yeah. you know, it's just it, I think visually he's got something really, really cool, really appealing. But I don't know that he has what I'm interested in as for storytelling, and uh, and that's just how that has to go. And the very last note that I have about why I'm not excited about this movie is it sounds like this is going to be released in four by three aspect ratio, hmm. and I. I cannot understand why it's for sure going to have a wonky aspect ratio, but I'm pretty sure um, it's because Snyder like wanted to cut it that way. And so like, um, I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be boxy. Like it's supposed to be a box that four by three aspect ratio, kind of like the first episode of WandaVision was in. And if you have reasoning, 
fine. WandaVision had reasoning to do that. Um, something like Mank would have had reasoning to do that, but even Mank didn't do it. Like, right. if you're going to do it, do like, ah, uh, like if this winds up releasing in that wonky aspect ratio and I, I can't figure out why I'm going to be so mad. Um, it, Cause like, you know, this isn't being released on Quibi. So like, Right. Take advantage of my 65 inch QLED, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, I am uh, curious. And then I'll, I'll back down off this movie because I feel like we've been on this box for, for a little while. But, but this, um, was, this was always going to be the majority of this episode. Right. Um, or I find myself on the fence on whether or not I'm rooting for this movie to be successful, like massively successful, because I feel like there's a lot riding on it, more than just Snyder and the future of the DCEU even. Because if uh-huh. this movie does extremely well, then there's a solid chance that we will see a lot more of this re-release under director, like the director's vision, director's cut, which, I mean, we already get a lot of these, but we don't get, they don't normally do a lot of advertising uh, for them like they do for this one. Most director's cuts kind of go to blu-ray dvd under the radar um and not a big fuss is made about them nothing even close to what they're doing for snyder's justice league and i feel Mm -hmm. like if this movie is very successful then we'll see a lot more potentially of the re-release of the director's vision other people might try and get in on this kind of action but on the opposite side if this flops if everyone hates it and it just goes down as a massive misfire then we might get a lot more rain tightening on creatives uh, and there might not be anything resembling this again, because I know the whole justice league situation with Snyder's daughter and, and Joss Whedon coming in and everything was a unique situation created here. Yeah. And um, I don't fault like, anybody for any of their decisions. Matter of fact, I have the utmost respect for everybody in their roles in, right. in what happened. Yeah. And I think I fall on the same field, but I feel like, Either way this goes, this is either going to be more common or it's never going to happen again, depending on yes. how this plays out. I honestly am not sure which I'd prefer. Um, I don't know that I want to get bombarded like this for the director's cut of Dune. Uh, well, and there's it, a difference between the director's cut, which is typically a... So typically, for for people that aren't you know maybe super familiar, typically a director's cut is the director filmed, filmed the movie he wanted, and he released it to the studio, and they said, you got to find a way to cut 30 minutes out of it. And then they cut right. 30 minutes out of it. Or or sometimes the director's cut is they really wanted to make it rated R, so they filmed it rated R. They're like, no, we really got to go PG-13. So then they you know, edit out swear words, they dub them or whatever. And like, yeah. you know, so then your director, the director's cut is always the original director's vision, but it's always a finished product. But since Snyder had to leave the project early due to a personal reason, Again, total respect for him for making that decision right. uh, on what is arguably the biggest movie of his career. Um, you know, su- nothing but respect there. But like this, this isn't a director's cut. Um, this is a this this is a remake and uh, um, or or like a reboot or something like that. And uh, you know, I, I total I totally agree um, with what you're saying. I cannot decide if I want this to fail or if I want this to. Uh, to be wildly successful, but like you know, because like there, there's already people clamoring for release the air cut of uh, of Suicide Squad, and look while we're at it, release this the the Shane Black cut of the Predator, and release the uh, the Edgar Wright cut of the Ant Man. Like, 
yeah. you know, but like, I know those cuts don't exist. So, yeah. um, but so like, again, wholly unique situation, but you know, yeah, like, that because if this movie does extremely well, if everybody watches it and everybody loves it and everyone's clamoring that this is the best decision ever, that if a movie in the future like flops and like dies in the water, then they might be like, is it worth throwing some extra money out to try and shoot some more scenes and re-release it? And I don't think that I want that. Um, right. I barely want it in this incredibly unique situation. Uh, right. But I'm terrified that people will just see what happened if it's extremely successful. And because this is kind of what Hollywood does, if they see that something is extremely successful, they'll be like, I bet we could do that. Uh, yep. And I don't, yep, I don't think I want that to happen. No, I don't either. Um, and uh, and I will just confirm, by the way, yes, Zack Snyder's Justice League is releasing in a one by thirty-three by one aspect ratio, which is the four by three aspect ratio. So it'll look like a box on your TV. It won't take advantage of widescreen. Which, if there's a reason, great. But I've read some of the interviews. It's more so like he just wanted to do it, and it's like, okay, it's always a good, you reason. know. That's, you know, I guess you're the director, but you know, I don't have to agree with you, your thing. So uh, your, your, the way you, you do the movie. So anyway, yeah, I, we can, we can stop talking about this at this point, but I just figured, and we always, I always knew this was going to be the most talked about part here. Cause there's so, cause again, there's so much baggage with this. It's going to be really hard to talk about. Um, but I, I guess the main takeaway is you as the listener, are going to have to take your word alone on how you think this movie is. Um, so like, you're going to have to form your own opinion about it uh, because you can't listen to people like me who are like, this is insane. And you can't uh, like, this has gone too far. Not this insane. This has gone too far, but you also can't listen to people that are the, you've been bullying for the last couple of years. So you have to form your own opinion. I think that's a great, great takeaway that, uh, that we got to uh, there around the middle. So I will officially close Zack Snyder's Justice League comments for the day. Um, and we will move on briefly to the end of the coming attraction. Read last time you were on, we were talking about a little known movie called Wild Mountain Thyme. And uh, I think you said matinee, maybe rent. I definitely said streaming um, because I thought that movie just looked super unoriginal. Did you ever get a chance to get around and see that one? I actually, I had a chance. I was going uh-huh. to see a movie or I was, I was like renting a movie and it was there, but I checked out the reviews and they were kind of what I expected. Um, they were pretty abysmal. Uh, and that, that swayed me. Uh, maybe I'm too dependent on the reviews of others, but, uh, yeah, I, I thought about it for a good couple minutes and then I was like, let me look at the reviews and, I ended up watching something else that night. I don't remember what it was or if it was any better, but I do know that I had the opportunity, I had the time, and I decided not to. Mm. Yeah, I've completely forgotten about this movie. So, <laughs> yeah, that that about fits. So, um, we'll move on to the SIF topic. We and and I like I said, I feel feeling this will be relatively quick. Uh, I haven't watched a ton this last uh, this last month. Um, and I know you are more of a movie person, you are TV. So again, it probably should go by relatively quickly, but, uh, we'll start off with, uh, Reed, what are the subscriptions that you, you pay for that you have access to that you can, uh, uh, just so people have a frame of reference of like what you, like which shows you can and can't watch. 
Right. I I do most of them. Uh, okay. I've got Disney Plus. My favorite is HBO Max. Probably my favorite is HBO Max. I've really enjoyed. Recently, I've been watching because I'm not like good on dramatic TV, but I normally have like a twenty thirty minute breakfast window when I'm eating, so I like having a comedy show that I can throw up there. I've been doing like Veep, Curb Your Enthusiasm. I really enjoyed getting to yeah. watch those finally. Uh, nice. I love I love HBO Max. Uh, I got it when they had a discounted rate for like the first year, and that was before they yeah. announced the whole Warner Brothers thing. So I was super excited about it after yeah. that. Uh, because that, it's not great for the theater industry, but that same day release on HBO Max and theaters makes HBO Max a must-have for me. Uh, yeah, well, I, and I don't, I don't think it's the long-term plan. No, I think no, it's no. the what? I think it's the until we really get the world settled. I don't know. If they've made a commitment for all of 2021, but right. you know, I think they've really. I don't think they plan on continuing past December. No, and they shouldn't. But that no, still makes no. They should. HBO. You're right. Yeah, that still makes HBO, and I'm so glad because this is a short, short soapbox. I'll keep it. I'll keep it trimmed. But I was excited about the little things, the Denzel Washington and Rami Malek detective movie. Uh-huh. Watching the trailer, I I love detective movies, and that yeah. looked like just my style, kind of like with echoes of Seven in there. I'm so glad I did not pay to go see that movie in a theater. I <laughs> I loathed that movie. It this this podcast isn't about the little things, so I won't go on to the reasons. But yeah, I just <laughs> so HBO Max really saved me there um, from going to a theater and being. Did you, have you have you gotten a chance to check out Judas and the Black Messiah yet? I did. I actually really liked that one. Um, okay. Yeah, I was like, that one's amazing, good. and it's only on for a couple more days. Yeah, it wasn't quite as good Sorry. as I hoped it would be. Uh, that first trailer is one of, I think, the best trailers I've ever seen. Uh, yeah. The movie didn't quite live up to that for me, but I still really enjoyed it, and it's a big awards contender, as it should be. The performances are fantastic. Um, yeah. So uh, so HBO Max, um, oh, you said. Yeah. Disney Plus. I've got Netflix. Love Netflix. Um, their movie release plan for this year is also something that I'm excited about. Uh, finally get to watch Woman in the Window, I think, uh, sometime yep. in the next... May. Uh, yep. Is it May? May. Yeah. I. When that trailer came out, I bought the book, read the book, thought it was quite good. Um, not great, but I was still excited for the movie. And then the movie just kind of dropped off the face of the earth, and I'd forgotten about it, honestly. Uh, yeah. Until just a few days ago, and I was like, oh, awesome. Like, that was a nice surprise. But yeah, Netflix, I think they're releasing like at least one movie every week for the rest of 2021. Uh, I think so. so I think that's a must-have. I've got Hulu. I don't, Hulu's kind of the one that I think I could do without. I don't, I don't spend a lot of time on it anymore outside of uh, Letterkenny. Letterkenny's one show on Hulu that I have to have. Uh, yeah. But outside it's of that, like you. Yeah, I don't really use Hulu a lot. Um, I think it's I think it's just those four. I don't do the okay. CBS. Or yeah, I have not CBS. Uh, Paramount Plus. Um, I haven't really been sold on that one. Uh, I can't even keep track. So, of the rest um, of <laughs> yeah. So I have the four you mentioned, um, and I and I have um, yeah. So Hulu, HBO Max, Netflix, Disney Plus, um, and I have uh, Prime Video. 
Okay, and, yeah, I also have Prime. I don't use it a ton, but I do have it. Um, yeah, I don't use it a ton. I, I probably wouldn't pay for it if it was just a subscription by itself, but because I yeah. pay for Prime. Um, Their interface it, is a bit of a nightmare. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah. And, uh, and, it's, and they... They have some really good content, um, yeah. but yeah, their interface is terrible. And they have especially some really great original content. One Night Miami is excellent. I'm, I've been very vocal. I'm so excited for Without Remorse. I'm so excited <laughs> for that one. Um, but uh, and then, but then an additional to you, I have uh, I have Apple TV Plus um, because I picked it up and then forgot to cancel it. And then I, last month they said uh, that I, I'm essentially getting it for free for the next six months. So it's like, all right, well. I'll, I probably will drop it, so I just need to make sure I watch all the stuff that I watch, and then I can, you know, I can p- I could pick up a subscription for once a month or, or for like one month a year, and I can catch up on all the shows that I love. Yeah, um, I forgot. I'm not paying for it, so that's why it slipped my mind. I actually did have a list, um, but I do have Apple TV. Um, good. And the only thing that I've really watched on it that I enjoyed, which I think they've got a few movies releasing uh, on yeah. there. I think Cherry's going up there, yep. which uh, may no, be terrible yeah. based on what um, I've heard. Yeah. I hated it. I hated oh. it. <laughs> I've not seen it. Yeah. But, uh, Ted Lasso was Ted fantastic. Lasso is so good. I, I love, yeah, I love Ted Lasso. So if nothing else, I'll pay for one month out of the year to binge Ted Lasso. Um, right, right. That was the one thing I was like, I almost would pay $5 a month just to watch Ted Lasso. Like, yeah. Um, it's so yeah, good. Yeah. And I'm for sure excited for the future of that one. Uh, I, but I'll, I'll probably check out in these next six months or whatever, I'll probably check out Servant, uh, probably check out Central Park. Um, I'll probably check out the uh, the For All Mankind series. Um, there's some great movies on there, but I'll still have access to them because I get screeners from Apple uh, yeah. and they and they kind of stay up there. Uh, the You should really check out the, uh, if you're at all interested, if you're mildly interested, it's really worth it. The Billie Eilish documentary is really good. Um, but... Um, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, if you're like if you're at all interested in Billie Eilish or pop music, I think it's really great, really great, well done. Um, so anyway, I have all the subscriptions, and I did recently add Paramount Plus, and for the only reason is that they were doing half off annual year plans. Gotcha. And so I was just like, look, fifty dollars for a whole year of any streaming service ain't bad. And like, sure, it's on top of these other ones that I already have, and uh, you know, obviously, if I have all these, I don't have time to get around to all of them. Um, but you know, um, you know, but like, you know, I don't feel bad for not using prime as much as I want to, because, you know, it's, I don't pay directly for, like I pay for prime prime video happens to be a, a perk. And I paid for a lot of Disney plus in advance and I'll still have a while. And anyway, like, you know, um, but, uh, but I did, it did manage to get me by only because of the 50% off annual plan. And there's some stuff on there that I've really wanted to watch, but they're also releasing their stuff on physical and on digital, all that, all that. Like, I don't know that at least until the series over that we'll get like physical releases of Mandalorian, um, right. or like, uh, or like all that. So, but like, um, uh, so I did pick up Paramount plus not and it was the day that they were doing their, you know, announcing everything. And like, look, it was very hit or miss. Uh, but their announcement with movie plans and their announcement with uh, um, uh, some of the TV shows that were going to be on it, like it just got me. So uh, I picked it up, um, and yeah. Are, do you like need to move inside or something? I don't. Okay. I don't I, are you just like looking around? I didn't know if you were like trying to trying to see. Cool. That's fine. I just want to check. Go. 
so yeah, so I did add Paramount Plus. That was really the thing. I don't think I'm going to continue it after the first year. Um, but it was just like, it was just one of those like, sure, why not? Like, you know, I, I'd pick up any TV ser- subscription service if, or any subscription service if they were going to offer me half off for a year. Right. So, um, yeah. So, uh, what have you been watching recently? Um, TV wise, uh, again, like I said, I'm, I'm really on the half hour thing. I'd love to use HBO max to watch, uh, the wire or the Sopranos, but I, I just, I'm not ready to dedicate that time yet. I'm still on like a half hour during breakfast. That's my TV watching time. And then at nights I try and watch movies. Uh, but I'm doing a full rewatch of BoJack Horseman, which I think <laughs> may be my favorite thing to come out. It might be my favorite TV show of the 2010s. Um, nice. I just, I adore it. I watched every season as it came out. Okay. But not like since it ended, like sat down and watched the entire thing through. Uh, I think I've got something like eight episodes left. I'm almost done. And I've, I've really been enjoying that. Uh, but yeah, that's my that's my TV watching about as much as I do. Uh, okay, that's fair. Uh, yeah, like I said, I've been on a I've been on a TV kick. Been watching a lot of TV, so I haven't really been watching a, mo- a lot of movies. But I haven't really been watching a lot of like wide variety of movies uh, or a wide variety of TV. I've just really just been watching a couple things. So um, obviously, I checked out Wandavision. Right. Um, which I did, which I'm not going to talk about a ton. If you want to, uh, you can. You're more than welcome to. But because I did the review with Frank, um, I loved Wandavision. I thought it was great. We talked, uh, we talked about it and put it in the podcast feed the day after the finale came out. And um, so I have been doing that. Now, like you, I love um, HBO Max's comedy selection, HBO Max stuff. I love that they have. You know, I've mentioned the past couple weeks the Impractical Jokers and how it's mm-hmm. like it's edited for streaming, not for TV, which makes mm-hmm. it much more of a delight to watch. But me and my wife uh, were picking up some old "Whose Line Is It Anyways" episodes, and nice. gosh, they are so funny. So, um, and uh, and of course, another HBO Max comedy that I really love is "Last Week Tonight" with John Oliver. Uh, oh yeah, he's on fire. He's so good. Um, do Do you watch him? Uh, I haven't recently, but I've watched a lot of his stuff in the past, and okay. he's forever close to my heart because he was in Community. Yeah, um, he is. He is such a great great talk show host and he has some of the best writing staff on there and definitely some of the best like editors and Photoshop people. And he always manages to make the ends of the episode so special. And like I, I tweeted, I tweeted it out, but like he, uh, he, he somehow managed to work in, there was a cop show from the nineties uh, that was a procedural musical. And so it's called cop rock. And he managed to somehow work in a clip of cop rock like into like an illustration of his and then showed us like a video of one of the songs where it's this guy who's trying to sell kids on the black market, but it's the catchiest thing I've ever heard. And I've listened to it enough times that I'm definitely on a watch list somewhere right now. But, uh, (laughs) but (laughs) I tweeted out like, how dare you John Oliver for introducing me to cop rock yet. Cop rock is available nowhere to stream like not even to buy so i have to wait until my dvd comes in from shout factory in order to wow. i can start watching cop rock but gosh i i love last week tonight with john oliver so much um he's just a delight to watch um and i'll uh i'll, I'll briefly mention two more and that is that i uh i mentioned last month that i was watching some mighty ducks animated series and 
I quickly realized that this is an entire nostalgia trip, um, but it's not an actual good show. So if you grew up with the show, it's great. But if you don't have nostalgia, it's just not worth watching. And I had nostalgia for the pilot and that was it. And so as soon as I got out of the pilot, I just, I would do this, what you did. I'd watch an episode during breakfast, but like I'd find myself five minutes in checking Twitter and not caring about the episode anymore. So I made the switch and and I'm watching recess again, which I have fond nostalgia for. Nice. I'll, I'll kick it off to you again for a little bit. If you wanted to talk about, you know, WandaVision or just whatever else you're watching. Sure. I mean, I think it's another one of those things, not quite to Snyder's point, but it's one of those things that's just been talked kind of to death. So I'll try and keep my thoughts relatively short. (laughs) Um, Again, being contrary with myself, I did really enjoy it. Uh, I thought it had some very good moments. thought the finale was fine. I'm kind of glad they didn't do any like big cameos or anything distracting like that. They instead decided to focus on the main characters. I will say, villain-wise, I found it to be rather weak. Hayward was an annoyance at best, a non-threat. Uh, I didn't. I didn't love Agatha as a character. Her motives were just never really clear to me, or at least very interesting. She just wanted to have that power, and she was kind of used as more of a plot device to take us into Wanda's backstory than anything else. And sure. White Vision, I think, was the most interesting of the antagonists that kind of climaxed in the finale, and he was only in it for like ten minutes, and then he 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 left. Um, so, I mean, I feel like that was kind of a missed opportunity. I, about halfway through, what I thought was going to happen was that Vision was going to come to realize what Wanda had done. And Vision, like Wanda was going to kind of end up being the villain in a sense, which she kind of was, but they never yep. went as far with that as I kind of wanted them to. I thought Vision was going to have, yeah. have actively oppose Wanda to stop her from what she was doing. And it was going to be him ending his own life in the act of doing it. Uh, that's where I thought things were going. And maybe because that's the way that I wrote it in my head, I was <laughs> hoping for that. And when they instead kind of focused on all these other antagonists, I was a little bit less interested. I was really sold on seeing them actively go against each other. I thought it was teased really early on where they were like, you know, both hovering, uh, facing each other. I was like, oh, that's, that's the conflict. That's what's going to go down. And it never, it didn't happen that way. Um, but yeah. the way it did go down was fine. My one big qualm with the series is I did not love their pacing. Uh, I didn't think they did a great job with the revealing of information. Uh, the way they did it was essentially they told you next to nothing for the first three episodes. And then episode four was just essentially a massive exposition dump. And then they did it again for episodes five, six, and seven where you didn't really learn much of anything new. And then episode eight, they did it again, where they just dumped massive heaps of exposition on you before the finale, which, I mean, it's fine. It just felt a bit off to me, especially in something being released week to week. I was like, I feel like it could have been paced better. You could have given out a little bit more of the breadcrumbs leading to things instead of like making people guess and then giving them everything all at once. Uh, But all that to say, I enjoyed it. I thought it was fine. Um, I don't at all regret watching it. And I thought they did a good job growing those characters through what happened. Yeah. I agree with most of your assessments. 
but yeah, I, I, I still fall in that love to camp, but, um, yeah, let's see. Um, I really only have three other things to talk about and that's that, um, I, I'm still keeping up with this is us. There's been some new episodes and you know, like I still like the show. Like, you know, if you watch it, you know, like it's a good show. I like it. Um, it's, it's a soap opera pretty much, but <laughs> Uh, and I'll, and I'll also mention, I have been watching, um, Las Vegas. That's so this is really what I've been spending the most of my time doing last month. Uh, cause I watched like 20, 35 episodes in the last month and I don't think I've watched any in a week. So, um, it's just, it's just so captivating for me cause it hits that perfect nostalgia where I feel for it because this came out in like 2003 to 2006 or something like that. And I won 2001 to 2006, something like that. Uh, no, three to eight. Three to eight. 2003 to 2008. So I was eight to 13 when this came out. And I haven't seen it since it ended in 2013. And, like, I'm I'm really loving this show for nostalgia purposes. And uh, and in general, I think it's got some compelling things going on. Uh, I'm just – I'm loving my rewatch. Um, nice. And I've watched almost a full season's worth. And because I've been watching it so much, I, I – haven't seen an episode of the Sopranos in a month because I started that a couple months ago and like mm. it's it's bad for my TV watching thing but that's okay I'm just I'm really having a good time and I'm so happy yeah. that I finally have them because they they like it's you can't buy it on Apple or on iTunes or on Vudu or anything like that it's not available to stream anywhere so you have to have the DVDs and wow. because they never released a box set or anything the DVDs are in low stock so like it's kind of pricey to find. So I had to buy discs from Australia, but <laughs> um, as I was telling Alice, but, uh, but yeah, I have been watching. It's been such a good time. And the only one, other one I have to talk about is just, uh, I, I've watched the first episode of Alan V. Faro. Have you, have you seen this read? It's on HBO max. I've not. Okay. Um, this is a docu series, a four part docu series, uh, chronicling the, um, the Woody Allen, Dylan Faro stuff. Um, specifically from the point of view of the Faro family. And so like, look, as somebody who's not terribly, and I I won't say anything about like my personal, like I won't say anything going into because, because I'm only one episode in um, and I really don't know too much of this, of, of what's about to happen. Um, it, but uh but I think that this is a, a good documentary. And I was surprised when I looked at IMDb. Um, these episodes are rated so poorly because there's so many people that are just giving it a one-star review because it's very biased. And so apparently these allegations come up in 1992 and in 1993, uh, Woody Allen is declared innocent. Uh, and like, you know, there's that. But And so people are like, it's already been proven. It's like, Look, it's it, 30 years ago, right? And like right. and like it was mostly dismissed because of a lack of evidence, not not for any and like I don't know where I'm going to land. Um I do know that at least I don't like Woody Allen as a person outside of that cuz you know he married his adoptive daughter that's like right. 30 years younger than him. That's weird. Yep. Uh you know, so aside from all the stuff that this documentary is actually covering, but uh um you know, and, and here's the other thing too, like were these are these people also going to Amazon and giving Woody Allen's book that's a memoir on this, the ap- apropos of nothing, are they going and giving that a one-star review because it's biased too? 
Like, you know, yeah. it's just it's just people want to justify themselves watching Woody Allen movies and, you know, like art art from artists, whatever. Um but yeah, I just I think this is fascinating and sure it's biased, but you know, you're not gonna get an unbiased docu series documentary on this on this subject. You're just not. So yeah. um, I'm having a good time. So uh, not I'm having a good time. That's a weird thing to say about the show. I'm in, I'm interested. <laughs> right. Um, and I will for sure finish out this series and I will have more formative thoughts to say after I do. But uh, that's where I'll leave with that. Um, what is some stuff that you have on your queue? Um, Like what's next for you? Yeah, like I said, uh, I really want to watch The Wire at some point. Um, the Sopranos is probably up next after that. I really want to watch Better Call Saul. I really do. Okay. But I, it's just such a time investment. Um, yeah. And I just, I'm not, not sold on doing that yet. It seems like the kind of thing that I will absolutely adore when I finally get around to it. Yeah. I just, I haven't yet. Um, sure. But yeah, that's, that's on my TV horizons. Whenever I, whenever I actually sit down and, decide to plow through my next TV show, I'll be torn between probably The Wire and Better Call Saul. Okay. Man, I love The Wire. It's so good. It's so good. I haven't seen Better Call Saul, but I don't. I will at some point, I'm sure. I really love legal stuff. I really love Breaking Bad, and I really love Bob Odenkirk, so I feel like I'm going to adore it. Um, I would I would suggest, this is the reason why I decided now is the time for Sopranos. I would suggest you pick up Sopranos because... Um, I think it was supposed to come out this month, but I do think it got pushed back a couple months. But there is a the the prequel movie, The Many States of Newark, is coming out this year. Right. So, so I would I would recommend if I were you, I would do Sopranos, knowing that The Wire is a better show. <laughs> it's in it's in what I've seen so far, but it's going to be hard. It's hard to top The Wire. Um, uh, the only things I've added to my queue is just the stuff on. Uh, well, there's one HBO Max series it's called Bear Town. Um, it's a European series about, it's a five episode series about people that play hockey. Um, but like it's scripted. It's not like a docu-series or anything like that. Right. So I saw hockey and I'm in. Um, so that's on my queue. And then just some Paramount plus stuff. So the, uh, uh the twilight zone, I'm probably going to go straight into season two. Cause I heard that season one kind of sucked. So I'll do the twilight zone. And of course the stay into the mini series and star Trek lower decks is really the thing that I'm most excited about. So that's the stuff I'll be checking out. That's that's been the only ads to the queue. But uh, uh, Reed, what's your favorite show of all time? I don't know if you can see. I'm currently wearing a Greendale Community <laughs> College T-shirt. Uh, my go-to I saw answer. Paintball. Yeah, my my favorite TV show of all time has got to be Community. Mm. Um, I really, I really love Community. How do you feel about the second half of that series? <laughs> Okay, so the first three seasons of Community, I would pit against almost any three seasons of TV anywhere. Okay. Season four gets hated on a lot, justifiably. It's, it's nowhere near the quality of the rest of it. Of course, they fired Dan Harmon, um, and that's why. The yeah. show even acknowledges that it was worse during the fourth season. There's still some good episodes in there. Uh, people, people seem to neglect. I think there's still some solid stuff to be found. Season five, they brought back Dan Harmon. It's... Better than season four by a good bit. Still not quite to the level of the first three seasons, 
I think season six is fantastic. The last three episodes in particular, um, I think. That's I the, the, the Yahoo end. screen season. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but the last three, the last three episodes, I think I could put up against just about any three episode arc in the entire show. Uh, okay. Season six, I think, is a great return to form, and it's it's tragic that I don't think we're ever going to get that movie. Um, I think if we were going to get the movie, it would have been shortly after uh, shortly after Community came to Netflix and kind of found a new fan base. Uh, I disagree with you. I, th- I do think we will get the movie. I hope you're right, but I just I so, can't get my hopes up anymore. So this summer, Community hit Netflix, and it was like one of the top ten shows for a solid like month. Right. Um, and it's it's now on Netflix and Hulu and maybe Prime. It's got a following. Um, I think it'll be a streaming only movie. I think it'll be something like I wouldn't even be surprised if maybe Peacock picks it up because Peacock needs some followers. Um, right. Like that that might you know they because they they did the Psych sequel. Um, right. So like I wouldn't be I do think we'll get it. I think I think it'll be a a streaming original movie, but I I do think we'll get it and. Probably, you know, maybe not this year, maybe not next year. Um, but I think there's enough of a fan base for this that that, that somebody can make it and, and will make it. I do think that. I hope um, you're right. They just need the right situation to come along. Like, they need the Russo brothers to come back and do it or, um, you know, or Harmon to do it himself. Or, like, the right the right people have to come along. You know, they need, uh, you know, Donald Glover's huge now. They need him to commit to let Donald Glover direct it, man. That'd be amazing. Yeah. So I definitely be game for that. So yeah, they got to make sure everybody's willing to come back, has the time to come back, and they gotta they gotta really make it worth doing. So right. Um, I do think we'll get it though. If we're getting a Friends reunion and the like, we did the Seinfeld reunion. If Sex and if Sex in the City is getting a sequel, yeah, we'll get a Community Community movie. So. Um. Yeah, and uh, do you have a hot take? Um, with regards to, um, like just TV, like you, like a show that you love that everybody hates, or a show you hate that everybody loves, or gosh, an aspect I, of of TV or streaming services or whatnot. Yeah, this one gets me in trouble with a good amount of people. I've got two that. I won't talk about Gilmore Girls. I have an open hatred toward Gilmore Girls, but I think my <laughs> wife is the person who that would upset the most. Um, but my most hot water TV take, I think, is the fact that I find Friends to be abjectly and grossly overrated. Okay, I get that for the '90s, like it was good and one of the one of the best sitcoms ever at that point. But the fact that people still watch it just baffles me. Like I've watched the whole thing. I watched all nine seasons. I kept waiting to get what everyone else was getting. I just I don't find it to be very funny. It's fine. It's fine. Like I don't I don't think it's the worst thing ever. I just I don't really like it. I don't see what the fuss is about. I don't see why twenty years later people still act like it's this fantastic thing. Seinfeld around the same time, I definitely get nothing has been done quite like Seinfeld. Um but I just I I don't really like Friends. It's got I don't a really like people it's got Um, a lot of nostalgia attached to it um and it you know reruns have been playing forever uh and like there's so many iconic episodes and moments and friends that 
Yeah, it's got a lot of nostalgia. And so, uh, yo, I think we'll be talking in 20 years the same the same way you're talking right now about community because somebody's going to pick it up and be like, what? <laughs> like, people love people used to love this. This is like sexist and racist and, you know, homophobic as I'll get out. You know, like same things that Friends is, you know. Um, right. Yeah, you know, and like you know, what it you know, it is what it is, but they but they wouldn't have known the uh um all the backstory of why season 4 of community is a significant dip in quality, but right. Um you know, I think it's um it, yeah, um it's got a lot of nostalgia attached to it. That's a big reason. But I still like I like watching it. But yeah, I don't um, hate it. I just I don't I don't like it. It's never something that I feel any desire to watch. Well, and you said overrated, which is which doesn't mean you hate it. It just means people need to chill a bit. And sure, I, I'll buy overrated. Yeah, my my hot take is: if you're a streaming service and you don't have a queue option, what are you doing? Um, cut that out. Stop it. You don't make any sense. Either either add a queue or close down your streaming service. Like. <laughs> Uh, it, it pisses me off that much uh, because uh, Peacock and and uh, Paramount Plus both do this. There are no options for a queue or a list or anything like that, and it's gonna make me use your th- your thing less. And I, I don't pay for Peacock; I have the the free right. one. Um, but it's gonna make me watch your thing less uh, because, like, look, I get that probably the theory behind not doing a queue is oh well on the way to find whatever you want to find you're gonna come across something that now you want to watch too but but i'm not gonna go to your thing if i don't know that what i want to watch is right there readily available so i don't see any reason behind you not having a queue you're just making me mad i would have three shows i would add more shows to your queue on paramount plus um but i you know I, i i didn't and i can't so um Yo, as of right now, I wrote down literally just three shows, and so the only way I'm going to know, you know, when it's time for me to watch Star Trek Lower Decks or, you know, the um, uh, whatever other shows I can't remember, the the Stand and the uh, Twilight Zone, like, you know, the only way I'm going to know when I want to watch those is, you know, remembering them, <laughs> right, um, or have them saved in a list somewhere. So, like, I. I don't understand having a streaming service and not having a queue, especially like these aren't original. Like these came out, these are coming out, these are launching in the golden age of streaming services. Like I get it if, you know, like Netflix was the one, the first one to do it big. Like I get it if Netflix didn't think of it, but you know, they have and everybody right. has one because they know this is the way to go because gosh, it makes me upset. It makes me so frustrated just talking about it. Oh. Want to move on to the B plot? <laughs> sure. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> Reed, if you could put yourself in any TV family, which one would you pick? Um, I have three written down. Um, and so, if however, how, do you have three? Do you have one? Do you have five? What, what do you have? Uh, I want to hear yours. I want to hear. Because okay. I've, I've got some thoughts, but I want to solidify one. Okay. And I want to hear what your, what your thoughts are going in. Okay, here's what I found is that a lot of these, you know, TV families are like, um, a lot of them are like just just couples, um, because you know that's just the way that sitcoms have gone a lot recently. Or like, if there are families, like they're super dysfunctional, 
Like the first thing I thought about when I thought of TV family for some probably because of WandaVision was was Malcolm in the Middle. But like right. no, I don't want to be a part of that family. They're dysfunctional as all get out, and like not in the good way. Like um so yeah, I don't I don't want a mom like that. <laughs> um so um you know, and I don't want an older brother like Reese, you know. Um, yeah. So yeah, so I, I didn't. So it, it, t- families that I actually would want to be a part of, and my first thought was, well, I want to somehow, you know, be a part of the uh, the Dwyer Ludgate family because <laughs> I love April and Andy so very much. Yeah. Um, and I mean, look, I would probably die as an infant because you know yeah. Andy doesn't know how to take care of things, and April doesn't care, and. You know, things like shock wire in the shower, like, yeah, like a kid's, they're, they're probably going to kill which uh, their kids, but, uh, um, you know, like they'd, you'd have fun and, uh, yeah, so I picked, uh, I picked wire Ludgate. Uh, maybe, maybe like a distant cousin would be a good thing. Maybe like, yeah. uh, come over every now and then, but maybe they're not anyway. Um, the other one I picked is This Is Us. And gosh, I, I really didn't want to pick this because, look, every possible thing, every possible family dysfunction, social dysfunction, uh, social conflict, family conflict, any possible thing that could happen to a family happens to the Pearsons. I mean, we're in season five and we've got uh, parental death. We've got adoption. We've got races, race issues. We've got um uh, uh abortion sexual abuse uh uh drunkenness being part of genetics uh, we've got uh um every single possible lgbtq all that stuff it, it, every single possible conflict you can throw at a family they've yeah. done and so part of me is like you know this is <laughs> you know this is not a great environment but i thought about it and like yes this family gets a lot of crap thrown at them but they're always supportive of one another. They always figure it out together. Um, and they're always there for one another. And gosh, that sounds like a great family. So it's part of the reason why everybody that watches that show loves that show. Cause you know, they're there for each other. Um, uh, they're yeah. there when it means they're there when, when it's needed the most. And is, I mean, that's really the most important thing family is. So, uh, and the other one I picked, uh, just again, it was hard to find like a non, dysfunctional family i picked uh the the family from drake and josh because why not um that would yeah. be a fun household yeah so that's my that's my three picks nice yeah i was torn i had three that i really liked uh larry and cheryl from curb your enthusiasm i find larry <laughs> david to be just ceaselessly entertaining yeah uh, and then beyond that my pick was uh well, I'll go with this one first. My actual pick would probably be the Taylors from Friday Night Lights. Uh, okay, I love I love Kyle Chandler as Coach Taylor. Connie Britton's great. Um, they're just I love their parental unit. Um, they just seem like such a strong team. I love their attitudes about everything. But the answer that I'm finally going to go with is my favorite TV family, which is the Bluths. why didn't i think of that oh i take back all my answer and i'm going to the blues too (laughs) yeah about utter dysfunction they're like the the pinnacle of dysfunction but uh but i mean 
they're just so entertaining. Uh, Lucille and Job, I think, are two of like my favorite TV characters ever. They're just fantastic. And that's not saying anything bad about the others. Uh, George Michael's hilarious, maybe. Uh, I mean, obviously, Michael is a fantastic central piece. Um, there's not a bad member of that. Fa- and don't let me forget Tobias. Um, yeah. There's... It's the pinnacle of dysfunction, but I will be willing to... How dare you forget everybody's favorite never nude? Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I think I would put up with the dysfunction for the sheer greatness of being a bloof. Hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, like I said, I totally agree. I totally swap it. Gosh, I I love that show so much. And one of my favorite things to do from that show is... uh, Man, and all the memes it inspired, too. um, Right. My, my one of my favorite things to do from that show is uh, for work. I play ultimate frisbee semi regularly, and nice. uh, my favorite thing to do whenever I'm guarding anybody that has the frisbee is to do any variation of the chicken dance, uh, their chicken imp- impersonations, and so yeah. you know the little or the uh, yeah. my my favorite one to do is the cha chi cha. Has anyone in this family even seen a chicken? <laughs> it's it's one of my favorite things uh gosh i this that show is very high on my get my wife to watch the show list Uh, yeah the first three seasons of that show are up there with the first three seasons of community like it's just almost beyond season three it gets kind of sad um i think there's some very good moments in seasons four and five but yeah there's a significant dip in quality but it's still better than most things yeah i think that's fair uh, so yeah, I it's very high on my get Abby to watch this list. Um, it's such a good time. That's yep that that's that's the answer to rule them all. I take away all my answers and <laughs> and I also want to be in the blues because well and like they they do have some semi emotional moments like and and you can tell that like Job is God Job but Job is so, so helpless but he's so well intentioned most of the time like yeah. Will not, always, not always, not always. But and uh, and and uh, and Buster is, you know, <laughs> Buster's Buster. You can't describe him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All the acting performances in that show are just top notch. Tony Hale does an amazing job. Uh, Will Arnett is just flawless. It's all around. It's pretty impeccable. I just can't stop laughing now because I'm thinking of all the best scenes. Like the the they they released it as a promo for when they made season four. But when uh, when Lucille is smoking inside, but she can't smoke inside, so Buster oh, yeah. has to come <laughs> grab the smoke from her mouth and then run to the patio and then blow it out. And, and the and and the scene where he loses his hand and he goes, "I'm a monster." <laughs> yeah, there's no shortage of great stuff. Yeah, for sure. And like, it's amazing how spot on that casting is. And like, yeah. everybody in that cast has gone on to do great things. I mean, of course, Michael Sarah has has grown up to be you know Michael Sarah, and Jason Bateman has come to be a comedy A lister, and uh, Will Arnett is also also in that conversation. And same with uh, David Cross, who had a career, who had a, a, a semi decent career before that show too. But um, right. But definitely, this pulled him to new levels. And Jeffrey Tambor, um, yeah, and um, uh, I mean, even uh, Portia Del Rossi, like you know, um, yeah, 
she's excellent. She's great. Like spot on casting, and that show really either launched or kind of pushed everybody's career forward because it was just so genius. Um, so great pick, great pick. Well, um, Reed, what is uh, we'll move on to spinoff. What is that one thing in pop culture that you really want to tell everybody to watch or to avoid? Okay, so award season is in pretty much full swing right now. Yeah. And it started a new wave of hatred toward my favorite movie of 2020. Uh-oh. So I just, I don't, I don't get it. I'm, most people have already seen it, but I'm going to use this moment to beg everyone to please just give Mank another chance. I don't know why people don't like it. I love that movie. Um, and I feel like I'm alone on that island. I know, like, Everybody just did not enjoy it. Uh, the ratings are, I mean, not abysmal, but they're not they're not Fincher level. Um, and I just I don't I don't get it. I see people crapping on Mank all the time, and I get that it's historically inaccurate. And I'm a story guy. I don't care. Uh, I just I love Gary Oldman was great. Um, the direction was great. The black and white cinematography was gorgeous. I love the character study of Herman Mankiewicz. I don't care if it was accurate or not. I found it to be incredibly entertaining. Uh, I, I went and saw, that was the first movie I saw in a theater once they kind of opened back up. Um, and I was the only person in the theater with the exception of the guy that I went with. Um, so that was pretty nice. Um, but it was the first movie I saw in a theater. And I was just like, that was before most people saw it. And I was just blown away. I was like, people are going to love this movie. This is going to blow everybody's minds. And then like two days later, it hit Netflix and everyone was just taking dumps all over it for every reason. And I just, I didn't, I didn't get it. So that's, that's my soapbox for this moment is like, I I don't know what people were expecting from Mank. I know it's a Fincher movie and there are no serial killers, but I, I, I loved it. I, I loved Mank. It was my favorite movie of 2020. Okay. Um, so if you haven't seen it, don't let the negative reviews push you away. I, I love that movie. It's fine. Look, you're allowed to like. You're allowed to love movies that I thought were okay. Uh, <laughs> I definitely didn't hate it. I definitely didn't dislike it. But I, I didn't see the magic, and it's probably maybe you know maybe I need to give it another shot. But, uh, but you know I certainly am not gonna try to stifle your love. Um, Reed is telling you he loves this movie. You you. If you have not seen it, give it a shot. And I will support that. So, you know, I appreciate I'd it. say it's worth watching more than it's not worth watching. So, you know, um, you know, I'm not mad that I watched it one bit, but uh, I'm going to recommend, I'm going to do something just totally egotistical and totally, you know, whatever I'm going to recommend. Um, just, I, I don't know if people listen to the show, uh, but only listen to the Wednesday episodes, but we've been doing some mini reviews and, that's been that's been fun and whatnot. But uh, this past uh, we're recording Thursday, this Sunday, right after WandaVision finished, I got a chance to interview uh, Jeremy Simzu, who's an or- storyboard artist um, who's worked on a ton of amazing projects. Uh, WandaVision was uh, one of the most recent, and it's it's an hour of your time. Uh, it's in the podcast feed a couple episodes ago at this point when this one drops. Um, it it was absolutely incredible the chance to interview him. Um, and I think it was a good time. I learned a lot. I laughed quite a bit. Um, uh, there was a lot of uh, fun references, you know, because like he's the guy that works in Hollywood or on Hollywood productions, and so he's like, 
yeah, like that time I met Kevin Smith was really cool. And like, you know, like name dropping like Kevin Smith and Scott Derrickson and like all these, like all these people that he like have met and like, you know, he like name drops Kevin Feige at one point. And it, you know, it's so, so part of me was just like a little like geeky, but um, you know, it's, it's, I just, I had a good time. Um, I think Jeremy is definitely uh, an interesting guy and uh, um, just beyond excited about, about that. So if you're one of those people that didn't get around to it, I'd really encourage you to go back, check that out. Um, it's really worth your hour. So um, that's, that's my spinoff <laughs> nice. promote pr- promoting from within. <laughs> so, uh, but that's a wrap. A quick reminder that Civ Pop Writers Room is part of the Studio DNA network. You can check out other great shows at Studio DNA dot media or by searching studio dna in your podcast player if you're interested in writing for sifpop.com you want to get into contact with us maybe send us a question to explore during the b plot then you can email us at writersroom at sifpop.com that the email should be in your episode description uh, you can also get in contact with me via twitter or letterboxd at schweitcastle if you want to support the show help out with some costs and pay for out of pocket such as fees equipments and rentals you can venmo me at schweitcastle or you can dm me for a paypal address and uh please do not forget to re- leave us a review if you are listening on apple podcast it helps out the show uh so much more than you'll ever know thank you if you have left a review uh but if you haven't then uh then please consider leaving a review but uh but reed that's all the ways people connect with me in the show but where can people connect with you and uh, get a chance to pick your brain since you're a screenplay writer um, get a get a chance to tell you how much they adore Mink, so you have somebody else uh, to go along with you. Yeah, I'm on Twitter pretty constantly. Um, I think my handle is at not a writer yet. So plugging myself as a writer is a bit of a misnomer. But yeah, that's <laughs> my Twitter handle. Uh, I'm definitely happy to connect with anybody. Talk about movies. I'm not as great at talking about TV, but I'm always happy to do that uh, as well. Sure. Well, hey, Reed, it's been awesome catching up with you. It's been awesome getting to talk uh, a lot about this with you. I'm really excited about uh, – I'm just really happy with the episode, you know. So, uh, well, Thanks for having me. It was a good time. Good. Well, we'll do it again uh, sometime. You know, schedule for uh, July to December. We'll come out start of June, end of May, somewhere around there. And uh, we'll do it again at some point in the next six months. But as you mentioned, it's award season. There's a million and a half things to watch, uh, which means we got to get back to the writer's room. Of course.